0: I confess, me and my boyfriend fucked twin sisters once. One was gay and one was straight. And at the end of the night, they were both bi. Like it when you can convert two at a time. This podcast is intended for those 18 and over. If that's not you please check out scarlatine.com and come back to this podcast when you are of age. Thank you for downloading the Bedpost Confessions podcast. Bedpost Confessions is an Austin, Texas-based monthly reading and performance series about sex, sensuality, and the steamy side of life. Between performers we ask audience members to anonymously submit anything worthy of a confession which is then read aloud by one of our producers The performance you are about to hear by Irwin Tang was recorded on August 11th 2011 Irwin will be reading from the first chapter of his novel in progress entitled Dung and you'll hear that um, Irwin was well-received by the audience, and he received a standing ovation during his performance. It was phenomenal. Here is Erwin Tang.
1: I am on the pot, pooping. <laughs> it all starts here, with the great fertilizer of the biosphere, the brown icing of cupcake earth, the liqueur of life, and the resin of yes. rebirth. Oh, poopy. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I'm averse to it just like the rest of y'all. I conform to all behaviors related to poop. I don't eat it, I excrete it. (laughs) But I respect poop. I respect it as the font of consciousness. I respect it as the expression of what is inside. I respect it for what it is. My name is Dung, Elmo Dung. (laughs) I pull up. I pull up my pants and look through the bathroom window. Is my landlord watching me from across the small apartment courtyard? She's the type of woman you want to nickname Big Boy. She's brawny and sports the biceps of an experienced plumber. She hikes up her jeans when she bends over for yard work, and her great mannish ass flourishes into an expansive people's square. (laughs) She looks at me with predatory eyes, but asks nicely for the rent. She likes me. One of these days, she's going to tie me up with the garden hose, strip me naked, and tell me what she has told me a dozen times already. Your people are so good at math. <laughs> then she will slap me and force me to do her taxes. Though I fear this woman, she reminds me of Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. Sadness pierces my brow. The greatest tragedy is not being dehumanized, but rather being dehumanized in a stultifyingly boring way. (laughs) Allow me to apologize for this, my opening passage. Yeah, about those 10,000 years of Chinese civilization, I say. 20,000 years, impresses my father. 20,000? That's 10,000 more years of wasted effort. I mean, what is it all for? Survival? That's okay, but but that's all taken care of by food stamps now. What do we need all those Confucian texts for? To remind us how to live, my father says. "The, the, The dead remind the living how to live, I ask. My mother finds no need to think about this. She wonders why I would ask such a silly question. Yes, she says. It won't be too long before I am dead, and you remember my words. Yes, I will remember them, I tell her, but there is no logical reason I should heed them. <laughs> Hear them? She, she asks. Heed them. Like there's no reason I should listen to you, I say. And then I remember that my mother is Chinese and believes in Chinese things. excepting <laughs> that you are my mother, I should listen. Da <laughs> pigu, says my mother, meaning spank ass. <laughs> She turns to my father, who rolls his eyes. Elmo's too old to be spank, he says. It doesn't work after 20. <laughs> da pigu, I say, but I say da with the fourth tone, changing the meaning to big ass. I think about my landlord, who I believe is watching us through her horse racing binoculars. My mother shakes her head. I should have given up on you a long time ago. Mayon, useless, she says. My father pulls me aside. Look, Amo, his breath aches of coffee. Just make some money. <laughs> I knew this was what it was all about. I nod wisely. What is it all about? he wonders. It is about money. It is your life, says my father. Your life is dung. I bow my head in name shame. <laughs> My mother looks through me at something behind me. Yi qian, she mumbles, from the front, literally, meaning back, behind, or in the past. I try to move away from her eye rays, but that, that past she focuses on is directly behind my spine, connected to me like a, like a tail. You, starts my father. Are not you, completes my mother. I've just awakened, and they're calling me again. I pick up the phone. Hello, I say. Yes, Says a young woman, most likely in the United States. May I speak to the man of the house? Am I a man or just a retired boy? Who specifically do you wish to speak to? I ask. Dung Elmo, she says, and I hang up. Too much information has already been exchanged. She knows the sound of my breath. Am I being paranoid? She likely knows nothing from nothing, but what better agent than the one who acts unknowingly? What did they ask me last time? Something about laundry detergent. Which do you prefer, Mr. Dung? Ancient Chinese secret, I replied. <laughs> I need to write all these happenings down. Why is it with my life on the game board I cannot even keep track of the keeping track? And yet, and yet that voice, I know that voice. I've heard that voice somewhere. I know her. Now I am at the unemployment agency. You have attained one and a half graduate degrees, says the lady behind the computer screen between us. I've purposely obscured our faces from each other. I have no idea what this woman looks like. I can teach an anthropology class on comic books, I tell her. (laughs) I wait for her face to pop out from behind the screen. Is she the woman I hung up on earlier? The question is moot. If they are as powerful as I imagine them to be, they can disguise their voices. I know a lot, I say. I can help a lot of people. I take a deep breath. Is there anything I can do that is useful for people in need? Well, she says, who's going to pay for that? People in need, if they had the money to pay you, they wouldn't need you. (laughs) I want to be the catcher in the rye. The lady smiles. I don't see her, but I can feel her. She is either sincerely amused, or they've got me exactly where they want me. I look under the desk at her feet in her open-toed shoes. Indeed, she seems like a real person, not a robot. I touch her red, polished little toe, just to make sure it feels warm. My heart beats faster, faster. What am I doing down here? And My finger seems to be stuck to her toe. Our hangnails are hooked. (laughs) You want to catch the kids before they fall, she asks. That's beautiful. That voice, it's that voice. And thank God she cannot see me down here with her foot. It really is the only way I can communicate with her without shame. It is. I'll tell her straight to her face. But why do I like her toe so much? She turns around, her foot moving far, far away from my lonely finger. I sit back up. I can only see the back of her head now, which is okay. I feel okay about that, the back of her head. Her occipital ridge is exquisite, <laughs> and from the sides of that planetary shelf hang the most vicious black sickles. Her name, her name is Natasha Vodka. I walk out. The buttocks are the center of human dichotomy, The buttocks are right wing, left wing. They are open and closed. They are beautiful, they are beauty and excretion. They are breath and exhalation. They are sphincter and flesh mound. They are active and apathetic. We come from the buttocks and we seek it for the rest of our lives. The buttocks are home. The warm, flabby, muscular igloos of all desire and all satisfaction. (laughs) I was there, at Hancock Fabrics, seeking nothing but some part-time employment. There was work to be done with fabrics, and my people have a long history of manipulating cloth. Came in the front door, did I, grabbing off the countertop a box of needles, seeking out immediately the most emasculating item in the building. Small, thin needles were in my hand, slipping out between my fingers and falling aimlessly to the floor. It did not matter if I held one or 100. They were short, thin, and rel- relatively harmless. I frantically tried to gather my 1.3 billion needles and replace them into the box. As I poked and pierced my own hand with these quickly reproducing needles, I noticed the derrier du jour hovering <laughs> above me. The botaceous American buttocks comes in more than one species— The greatest belonging to the goodly American matron. She is here seeking stern and subtle cloth for her priestly children. They must take on the look of innocent authority and she will dress them in the flags of her heritage. This goodly American matron's rear is more substantial than my face. (laughs) Substantial is the word I choose because it connotes all things that I seek and fear. I lack substance in this world. If the main event is on stage, I am not even the concession stand. I supply some corner of the concession stand with concessions. I cannot approach these buttocks directly, not with my face forward. I must slide, slither like a sidewinder, look askance, dance and twirl about the perpendicular of the puckered asshole. This is not sexual. This is not pre-reproductive or orgasmic. This is dung. And dung approaches the buttocks as a defeated soldier returns home. I want, I want to bury my dung face into those pillows and cry, to mark them with tears, to bark out my agonies and my cheers, but mostly just to weep. Between that cleavage of the hip bones, I wish to emit the whimpers of a flaccid, petticoated boy. To cry is one thing, to cry between large, flabby, forbidden cheeks is yet another shame altogether. An, an accomplished shame I can truly be proud of. I wonder if I can exist in the shadow of her Grand Canyon. My entire existence, both tangible and spiritual, would slide right into that canyon like a token into some great American slot machine. My body would be spent. Ouch! She backs that thing up into my handful of needles. She scowls at me as if I were an illegal alien teabagging her polar bearskin rug. (laughs) And she walks away not bothering to speak. I, I look down. It was not a handful of needles, it was just one. And it had drawn blood. Horrified, I rush to the door to apologize before the matron disappears, but she's already in her car. I turn back to the fabric store and face the grim help wanted sign. A manager asks me if she can help me. I tell her that I make myself sick. (laughs) You are right, I tell my landlord. My people are good at math. She raises an eyebrow. I tell her, I'm here to do your taxes. She invites me in and one thing leads to another. It is true that she has been watching me, wanting to make my stay more comfortable. I stand naked before her. She sits with her knees to each side of me, her solid oak thighs serving as the walls to my confession booth. I know, I say. I know I look like a teenage Japanese girl with a giant wrinkly clitoris. She laughs, and I look like a pregnant linebacker, she says with Texan delivery. I close my eyes. It is a perfect description of Mrs. Hornbecker, my sweaty landlord. A long pause, and I tell her, I don't think this is right. I can't do it with you. I cannot make love to a linebacker in his third trimester. Another long pause and I feel obligated to satisfy her. (laughs) Hop Singh from Bonanza, Archie from Happy Days, I don't know, M. Butterfly. They all shove their way up through my subconscious, and even as I know I'm succumbing to some stereotype, some inherited role, some ascribed fantasy, my knees fold like the falling robes of a geisha. I am face to face with Mrs. Hornbecker's giant vagina. (laughs) Come hither. Look inside, it says. I am an open book. Indeed, the pages of her lobby are encyclopedic. One could get lost reading those many volumes. I wonder if it is all punctuated by an appendix. My sweeter, my story is sweeter than you know, it says. How can I accept that you are something that I, that I do not know? I know only what I know. This vagina brings out the Neo-Confucianist in me. <laughs> not every hole is a cipher, says the vagina. Perhaps you are, I say, and perhaps you ain't. I wonder if Mrs. Hornbecker notices the contraction I've imposed upon her vagina. Do, <laughs> do my taxes, she says. <laughs> and Mrs. Hornbecker presses my flat, greasy, low mean into her pne puni- poontang panini. My forehead plunges deep into her belly and is repelled by a force greater than physics, as if nature herself rejects our combination. I fall back supine. I can hear some laughter from outside. That voice, that voice again. Is it Natasha Vodka? My heart races. My body flushes full with blood. Things begin pumping, as if a septic tank were being drained with ferocious intent. I am completely ready for Mrs. Hornbecker now, and I do not want to be. That voice, but no, it's my mother's voice. Where are my grandchildren? I don't have much hope for them. How fertile are land backers? I stand up to run away and my father shoves me back into the arms of Mrs. Hornbecker. I am now bent over her feverish thigh and my ancestors holler for him outside, from deep within the old cotton field, learn him respect. Apparently they have adopted the local vernacular. (laughs) My father spanks my petulant tail with a disciplined hand, screaming, show me face, show me face. I want to cry, no, or Yes, yes, yes. But no, it is truly only Mrs. Hornbecker for whom I return to my knees, lift up her belly like a heavy, hairy, white veil. And give heartless, tearless face. Thank
0: you. Erwin Tang is the author or co author of five books, including How I Became a Black Man and Other Metamorphoses, which is a collection of short stories based on his life and surreal times growing up as one of the few Asian youths in Aggie Land. He is currently working on a screenplay with an emerging director and scrawling out new fiction, including his novel entitled *Dung*. He is looking for a literary agent as well. I might note, Irwin is a professor of creative writing at ACC and the organizer of the National Balcons Fiction Prize. For more info, head to Irwinbooks.com. That's I R W I N Books.com. Bedpost Confessions is produced by myself, Mia Martina, of the I Want Your Sex podcast, Sadie Smythe of the popular blog, sadiesopenmarriage.com, Julie Gillis of juliegillis.com, and Rosie Q. You can find links to all of our websites and more information about Bedpost Confessions at bedpostconfessions.com. You can also confess with us at Bedpost Confessions on Facebook and Bedpost Confess on Twitter. Until next time, we'll leave you with a few other confessions from the audience. I confess, is it weird that the small dick guy is 100% more awesome to fuck than the Magnum XL guy? Because damn, that small dick is so good. Perhaps she, perhaps she has a petite vagina. Perhaps. And or petite vagina and the petite cock will go well together. Perfection! Perfection! Fear not, young ones. There's a size for everyone. I don't know why I just turned into that chick from Harry Potter. I don't understand. (laughs) Maggie Smith, I'm channeling Maggie Smith tonight. I confess, you know who this goes out to, you special couple. (laughs) This one's for you. I confess I love eating my girlfriend's ass as much as her pussy. I confess I'm kind of a hippie and he's a fratty cowboy. But the way he fucks me makes me forget all of that. That's really the bedpost motto right there. You fuck good, it's all good. It's all good. to change gears there. This is completely 180 degrees from that one. Maybe. I confess sometimes that the sound of her voice practically makes me come in my pants. Aww. Sweet! This is the last one for now. I confess I slept with your mom and your brother. Oh, Jesus Christ!